welcome to the Movie Overload podcast, where we will be discussing 100 essential films from A Trip to the Moon to Parasite and everything in between, except for Woody Allen. What frick? <laughs> I almost said Woody Harrelson. I don't know why. Yeah, we can talk about him. He's I okay. actually like him. I hope he's, he's okay. A good boy. I like. I love him in the Hunger Games. Oh yeah, I forgot I he's really in that. love. It. He's just mm-hmm. so perfect as that character. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> he's he's you know a character that exists also in Solo. Maybe that should it's be true. my new my uh, new running gag is that yeah. I just randomly bring up Solo, a movie that I, I basically uh, don't remember. <laughs> Me too. It's good though. I know I like it. I think I like some of it. I, I don't would know. like to watch it again. Anyway, Woody Harrelson's fine. Yes. But Woody Allen can definitely not. Woody Allen can do lots of things that you know I wouldn't even I wouldn't even care. But if he did if he did those bad things that he does, I would care. I would care about that. I'd say no. Yeah, no. I'd say yes. fuck. We would say. Say, say <laughs> fuck <laughs> you <laughs> anyway. Stop that fuck. <laughs> 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 to say fuck. <laughs> I would say say fuck. <laughs> fuck Woody Allen. Hashtag. Yeah. That's that's the that's the vibe. Well, we already podcast. got our explicitness out Dang. of the way yep, in the first no, sixty always. seconds. Now we've done it. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm Hannah, by the way. I'm also known as Hananana. Whoa, that's pretty cool. I know. I'm Reese. Hi Reese. Reese's CCC's Reese's PCs. I'm Hunter. What up, strange man in the corner? Yeah. I wish I didn't have to see you over there. Hunter, also known as <laughs> Gunther. I'm sorry. So it's mean. True. I'm so tired. The abuse. Man. Apparently that still comes out. We're Everyone in this room is sleep deprived. Oh man, I stayed My up eyes. till late times for this report. Good thing we don't have to bank any episodes today. That yeah. would be exhausting. Man, that would Just suck wrong. if we had to bank episodes. I'm so glad that like we have standards. Yeah, same. You know what I mean? So we'd never <laughs> do that. Standards. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Like actual standards. Yeah, we're better than all of you. Basically. Lame. That's what I'm trying to say, is that we're better. We are. And I mean, by a lot. if you really like thought that like, oh, maybe I could like befriend them and then like guest on an episode of the podcast to talk about, you know, Children of Paradise or some movie that I'm really into. Like, I'm sorry. No, like no. <laughs> we'd never we'd never do that. You can only be you're a so friend. lame. Yeah, you're lame. You can only be a friend of the pod if uh, money. Yes. I Patreon. Li- yeah. Let's just. Yeah. How about money? Give. <laughs> Give the money. <laughs> All the side plugs and inside jokes coming so rapidly uh, today. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if like the the episodes that are actually out have us saying anything about the Patreon. I don't either, I, but that's fine because there was must. no Patreon when they were released. Are we that's still only three episodes in? Yeah. Oh, so slow. I know. We're like quadruple that. I think this is. We're 12, gonna be making right? money in our sleep, though. You know. Well, yeah, it's true. I'm just gonna. Re- it's just gonna be rolling in. Exactly, rolling in that's the dough. Just gonna roll in. Rolling, rolling. Heck yeah. Anyway. Um. <laughs> so you know, I I feel like this this person that we're here to talk about today would be the kind of person that'd be great to do a full episode on. Mm, yes. Um. Because there's a lot of things about them that are great, and maybe. Like director biographies slash filmographies would be a pretty good Patreon exclusive thing, mm, you yes. know. Like, ah, uh, well, this is a two-hour episode where we're all just diving into this one boy, this boy or girl, is Ryan Gosling. Yeah, we'll just do the Ryan Gosling. Episode. We'll talk about every movie he's ever directed. Yes, all of them. This person, <laughs> every single one. 
We've mm. never talked about this person before. We have never. I would never mention this one because I didn't. It's so like, I didn't really know anything about this guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Who who is? It? I don't I don't know. Who that? Maybe I should just d- dive straight into to this topic here. I guess so you can yeah. introduce it some okay. kind of way. Let me let me try to segue into segueing into doing this thing that I wrote. Please. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so well done. Charlie Chaplin's first iconic talkie, 1940s The Great Dictator, is an undeniably enduring film, though its significance at the time was perhaps even greater, with it breaking Hollywood's taboos on criticizing Hitler and his anti-Semitism while ferociously fighting for the humanitarian cause during a time when America was at peace with Nazi Germany. Chaplin's brilliant blend of comedy and emotion is pointedly and effectively used for political ends that have undoubtedly aged better than most films of the day, resulting in critical praise, box office success, and a strong influence on filmmakers from Chuck Jones Stanley Kubrick to Wes Anderson and everyone in between. For its perfect comedy, inspiring directing, and moving pathos, The Great Dictator was and is one of the most significant films of all time, cementing Charlie Chaplin as not just the king of silent films, but a true master of film as a whole. Thank you. There we go. That was beautiful. Thank you. you. Lovely. I was tired and I wrote a thing (laughs) and I was really scared to talk about this movie because it, it, well, I mean, obviously I'm obsessed with the boy, the chaplain bit. boy, but also <laughs> we mentioned on the previous episode that like his wife slash ex-wife at the time. I can't uh, if, if they're casting in like what thirty eight for Gone with the Wind or whatever. Right. Yeah. Oh. Um. Then it would he would have been Polly Goddard would have been his wife, but she lost the role of Scarlett O'Hara because of her connections with Charlie yeah. Chaplin, uh, and so I was really nervous to like find out why that would be. You know what I mean? Like, is right. there some sort of scandal? Is Charlie Chaplin like? a Woody Allen type yeah. you know that that was my my thought no. you know I was nervous about it and what I ended up finding is that one people thought Charlie Chaplin was a Jew and they're anti-semitic even though he's not a Jew <laughs> and two Charlie Chaplin opposed anti-semitism and Hitler okay which was kind of taboo (laughs) right so he was controversial because he was like uh so i don't like fascism and they were like ew you premature anti-fascist ew get out of here well that's what happened talent and creative genius after this movie he (laughs) actually yeah he got in like the you know second red scare or whatever he he got he got boosted from the u.s he got kicked out what? In like 52 or something. I, well, I maybe it was earlier that. than that. I can't remember. But yeah, no. And it was like largely part of like just the fact that he kind of became a political activist about this sort of thing after this movie. And they wow. were like, how dare you get back to England? You fraud. You you chicken. You fraud. And, and, and then I, there was footage of that, like of him arriving home in Britain. And they were like, you know, I... Uh, this man believed that maybe we had forgotten him or would not love him as much as when he had left. And they're like, and that is not true. We are so happy to have him home, our boy. <laughs> and so that was cute. But it was also sad because it's like, man, this guy like just kind of risked his neck for like political agendas that have aged very well. <laughs> Thanks, you know what dude. I mean? Like those sound like things that would have been hated even at the time. I thought. Well, that's the thing is, I was I was doing some like research on it and like what he's fighting against. There are there were some 
very pro-Nazi people in America. Oh boy. Really? Before Pearl Harbor. Mm. Um, and I guess I don't think about that very often. Yeah, no, it's weird because like I don't feel like we, we learned too much, but but obviously like stuff was going on well before we joined the war. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what did we join the war in like forty one? That's when Pearl Harbor was. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Um, but like a lot of this shit started going down in thirty eight. You know mm. what I mean? Like we were, and and people like um oh what's his name, the 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 guy that uh, Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh like kind of led this movement of like let's stay out of it let's stay out of this war that's that's a european problem we don't you know we should just stay out of it you know and so they didn't want to criticize nazi germany nobody was was really saying anything anti-semitism was rampant here like Hmm. the like you know obviously there were a lot of like jews in high up places in hollywood at the time but they had to have their own like separate country clubs and stuff Hmm. Like there was there was ridiculous so levels of anti Semitism. Which, you know, again we don't hear about because we just kinda have this like American perspective of, Oh yeah, there was that war that was going on and like, you know, we were we, we were you know, we were um uh, a- anyway, um then we joined and we won and we were always the best mm-hmm. people. We were so morally, you know you know Yeah. So 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 it wonderful. But it's way. like Man, like half the reason why we didn't do anything until Pearl Harbor is because we were like, "What's what's wrong with that, huh? W- you got a problem with the fact that we hate Jews? <laughs> they hate Jews. Every you know, it's fine. Let's just hate on the Jews. Yeah, which sucks. Blonde people rock. Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> it was sad. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah. Anyway, I don't feel like Chaplin was. I don't. Uh, he he definitely didn't deserve being like labeled as this controversial figure because he yeah. was like guess what guys uh hitler sucks hitler sucks but he does actually mm-hmm. it's actually a fact that's um, historically hitler accurate does information and was known to suck but yeah um, <laughs> we are now a historical podcast <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. i mean kind of but yeah i mean like it it was i mean it was it was his own like personal money that like went to the film you know it was Hmm. his project because he wasn't really kind of sure he could get it out there like that's how controversial it was which is ridiculous like i can't even fathom living in a world where criticizing hitler is controversial oh wait i mean in a different kind of way jojo rabbit was controversial so yes. and life is beautiful is also contra- okay basically a lot of the world war ii movies are controversial if you have any kind of comedic take on it right but it's usually like are you making light of something that is very serious in a in a way that you know doesn't properly reflect how serious the situation is mm-hmm. but that that was not the problem people had with this it was just like no nah, you're i mean hitler's fine bro like right anyway um oh. so he spent like around two million dollars was his budget of his own money which is like 37 million dollars today he put a lot on the line to get this thing made um but you know it it did kind of pay off like once it eventually hit other markets like it, it came out in america it did really well a lot of really like famous people showed up to the premiere it was very highly anticipated hmm. um partially for being controversial but like hmm. it, it did make a decent amount of money in the box office nice. and then it came over to um to england like 
right at the time of like, you know, the siege beginning. Hmm. And so it was like a real big morale booster and people were like, hell yeah, this is everything. This is what I need in my life. And then it came to France a few years after that. And then it also did really well. So like he, you know, it was years before he like was actually fully making money off of it. Right. Um, he, but he always claimed it was like his biggest money maker. Hmm. But when you actually take hmm. into account inflation and like the actual budget of his film, it wasn't the most money that he'd ever made on a film. Um, why you gotta call him out like that? Yeah, he's just wrong. Crush his <laughs> dreams, why don't you? Yeah. Hmm. He ended up making about three point five million in the box office, Oof. which is like around sixty four million today. Jeez. Oof. So in comparison to the thirty seven million dollar budget, like. You know, he got his money back. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not mad about that. But at first, you know, I mean, actually, when he started filming it, uh, England wasn't even at war with Germany. Hmm. And so mm-hmm. they were like, actually, we're going to, they didn't want to piss off Hitler. So they're like, we're going to, we're going to ban this movie. This isn't going to come out here. Well. They immediately announced this, he announced this project in 38 because he spent years working on this movie. So he announced it like pretty soon after a lot of really big shit was going down yeah. and other countries weren't like actually at war. And they were just like, no, 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 we can't, we can't, we can't piss them off. This is not going to happen. And everybody was like really encouraging him to not make it except for, I guess, FDR at the time mm-hmm. was like, Oh yeah. Bro, this movie's going to be important. Cause you he make wanted this. in, huh? He wanted into the war. Right? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was like, we need to, we, you should, you should definitely make this movie. Yeah. But then, Apparently he didn't really like the movie oh. <laughs> because he thought it caused too much problem in Latin America. What? Because Latin America had some real big pro-Nazi stuff going on there. People were protesting outside of theaters the saying like, Whoa. Viva Hitler, what? Viva Mussolini, death to the Jeez. Jews. Like that was like the chant when this movie came out. Yikes. It was ter- like it, man, doing research into this was like, I have definitely been fed a different version of how world war ii went mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know you think yeah. it's like everybody's like oh look at all these human rights this is awful let's <laughs> let's let's band together and stop this garbage mm-hmm. while we can it was more just like oh i mean i guess we got to do this now because now you're starting shit with me mm-hmm. instead of you know, like that's just bonkers and the f- like just really think about how many people were on board like fully on board with hitler at the time, like all across the world, like people actually right. loved him. I'm um, no. It's so scary. Oh. Yeah, it's and fine, I mean, whatever. Chaplin was receiving death threats from like Americans. Hmm. I'm very upset with history. I don't like <laughs> it. Uh huh. The yeah. The more you learn about history, the more sad it makes you. I'm just disappointed. Yay. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed with you, world. Yeah, literally. Always at human every race. moment in history. <laughs> but the also hum- specifically 80 years ago. The yeah, human race right. really sucks. I mean, we still do, so. Yeah, it's, it's kind of not good. But I guess I should probably jump into a plot summary before like, we, oh, we fully yeah. proceed for people sure. that haven't watched this movie. That's fair. Um, I don't really think the plot is the reason why this movie is awesome. Right. Per se. No. But it, it, it is still kind of fun, I guess. Um. So, Chaplin stars as a Jewish barber who is injured in a plane crash while saving the Tomanian officer Schultz in World War One, or, you know, what is vaguely World War One. 
The barber languishes in a hospital for 20 years with no clue about the way his country has changed and completely unaware of the rampant anti-Semitism promoted by dictator Adenoid Hinkle. The barber returns to his shop to find persecution and suffering at the hands of Tomanian authorities under Hinkle's control. But a series of altercations leads Commander Schultz to recognize the barber, turn his back on the Tomanian regime at great personal expense, and then they are both captured and placed in a concentration camp. While Hinkle dreams of world domination, the barber dreams for a better life in Austerlitz, where he can live free. And then the barber and Schultz escape the concentration camp and end up being mistaken for Hinkle, who gets confused for the Jewish barber himself. And impersonating Hinkle, the barber leads the invasion of Austerlitz, yet puts an end to the regime with a rousing speech evoking timeless themes of beauty and care for our fellow humanity. This final speech is often considered one of the greatest ever put to film, but its reception at the time was far less positive. Hmm. Rel- relentlessly mocking Hitler, Mussolini, and the Nazi party, the great, dictor- the great Dictator has gone down in history as one of the most important satire films ever made. Um, yeah, I don't really know how to talk about the plot, but also it was 2 a.m. <laughs> when I wrote that, so I don't know if that made any sense. Works. But there I think we go. It was great. Basically, Hinkle. Chaplin plays Hinkle and the barber and goes back and forth you know between them yeah. and it's and it's not a, it's sometimes a good time like it's surprisingly light for how dark it is yeah but they're definitely funny bits mm-hmm. yeah that they put in it's but also too. i didn't know like i didn't understand why he went for the name tomania because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it doesn't like like Austerlitz just sounds like austria, austria. you know mm-hmm. but i guess tomania was supposed to be a combination of the word mania and like tomain, like I, I guess a kind of poisoning, like tomain poisoning. Oh, huh. that just made me think of like Romania. Right, that's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I guess it's specifically you know like man, this place is poisoned. <laughs> oh, toxic! Yeah, They're toxic guess, human beings. I guess that's the point. Yeah. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. What were you gonna say, Gunther? Uh, I was just. Yeah, on the subject of names and stuff, it's funny how, like, there's a lot of it that is trying to be kind of, like, you know, slightly off. That's like, it's Hinkle in Tomania. Right. And he hates Jews. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to beat around the bush here. He doesn't like Jews. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) So it's very hard to miss the actual point of it, of course. Right. I mean, for various Mm -hmm. reasons, of course. But, like, yeah. And I like that because it... Mm -hmm. Because it's different than something like, like it definitely has bits of it that ring of duck soup, but like mm. Mm, yeah. it does a very different thing because he's he's trying to be comedic sometimes, but he's also very pointedly being like, but no, this matters. Right. And so he'll do stuff like that. And there's some times in which he could fit a joke there where he doesn't or, you know, where he shows compassion for a specific character or that mm. kind of thing where it would easier it'd be easier to make them like a punchline in like a dark comedy sort of way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's, I don't know. I just think that the way that he approached making this film makes it very different than a lot of satire films that I've seen, but also like kind of better for that Mm -hmm. for me, I think. Makes sense. I liked it when he hung upside down out of the plane. Yeah. That was it for me, man. I was like, yes. So he was like a, like really hardcore perfectionist mm-hmm. with uh with like every film he made but like with this one in particular he spent i mean he spent like two three years trying to perfect this movie you know oh my gosh. but those 
that take like they they went through that like a trillion times and you can totally Jeez. see it on his face like he looks yeah. like he's, <laughs> he's dying both of them were very uncomfortable but like at the time chaplin was like 50 oh my god and he's doing Whoa. all this stuff and mm. like staying upside down like that for like a trillion takes to get it exactly perfectly the dedication yeah i'm inspired that mm. guy man uh such respect if you feel bad about yourself and your life remember you should because uh, you're not charlie chaplin you're or not, nearly yeah, as so cool you as him you're, yeah i yeah. mean that's fair so honestly. you suck but you do suck fine. you're not mm-hmm. charlie chaplin yeah that goes to y- for for you too, Hunter. You suck. You're not Charlie Chaplin. You're not I Charlie know. Chaplin. Yeah, very aware. Grow a mustache already. Yeah. I can't. Oh I yeah. Can't. I've oh, actually joke. got some. Me neither. So I I like the fact that part of the point of this movie is him claiming back his mustache. You know what I mean? That mm. right? Yes. Because like you always hear like uh you know Charlie Chaplin's got that Hitler mustache. And at the time, everybody like, was like, no. who is this man with the Charlie Chaplin mustache? <laughs> right. Hitler. Like, that was actually in a Hitler propaganda song, me. I guess. That's awesome. That's a line in, in, a, in a Nazi propaganda song is, who is this man with the Charlie Chaplin mustache? Anyway. He was the OG. So he was. And then he comes back and he's like, no, frick you, Hitler. It's my mustache. It so I like mine. That. You made it um, negative. But there's like a lot of similarities mm-hmm. between like the lives of Hitler and Chaplin that also made it kind of an interesting mm. thing to do. Spooky. To mm. Hitler and Chaplin were born four days apart. Whoa. No way. Yeah. Wait, weren't they born in June? I think so. I don't, I don't remember. I didn't have his birthday. On that's yet, okay. Yeah. For some reason I thought that my birthday was close to Hitler's birthday and it freaked me out, but that's fine. It might be. Yeah. Might, I don't know. And you might have Charlie Chaplin's birthday. It's possible. <gasps> I'm going to look it up. You should carry on. Um, it's often claimed that like Hitler took Chaplin's mustache intentionally to piggyback on the world's love for Chaplin, but there's, there's not really anything that like actually, you know, confirms that, but it's, I've heard it said, I've also heard it discounted. So who knows? Hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised because at that point Chaplin, and I, I guess, y- y- I guess maybe that's an important bit of historical context as well is that like Chaplin was, the most beloved person in the world like for Mm. Hmm. the entirety of the silent era sure but like up through modern times you know he was the most well-known person in the world he was the most well-loved person in the world Hmm. he he was like the star you know uh and so it's you know it's quite possible that hitler's like ah yeah you know let me take that that charlie chaplinism i see for myself yeah that's Uh, really interesting mm -hmm. the social Right, you've got these two guys with the same facial hair on separate sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on yeah, exactly opposite sides of the spectrum. Uh, both also made it big in countries they weren't from. You know, like Hitler's <laughs> from Austria, and then like goes and rules Germany, oh, and Chaplin's from England, and then you know goes and rules the U.S. You know, in a way. Yeah. Uh, and you know, both of them were in the right circles the love the most loved and hated people in history like in, uh, in their time you know because mm-hmm. people really hated chaplin right. and got all controversial and like hey maybe people's lives matter and stuff and then what? people people really also got mad at hitler when he was like maybe people's lives don't matter but so weird yeah he is going Pe- to cause problems on purpose people are mm-hmm. so confusing yeah they were oh. born in april by the way they were born in april that makes I sense i don't know why i thought june but hitler's hitler was born on 420 oh. <laughs> <Blazer>. <laughs> uh, 
That's well, sad. you know, he he did blaze it. He he burned a lot of books. That is true. Yeah. Mm. I'm still bitter about that. Mm-hmm. Too soon. Actually, Hitler was like really big into movies I was reading. Like, I've kind had, of been picking up on that. He had a, yeah, he had a really big like <laughs> theater, like film collection. He would see all the movies that come out and like movies that he did not like for no, like just he didn't think they were good movies would be banned in Germany. <laughs> he is like a little eight year old that rules the country. Honestly. And Chaplin like, like really you. tries to like push that idea, you know, with him like kicking around the globe and like yeah. you know, having <laughs> these like really childish delusions. And I know that's funny. It's beautiful. He's it's mentally great. crazy. But also, which is an important bit of context for this movie. Both Chaplin and Hitler really loved Wagner. Mm. Like that, that was their, mm. That's peak music for both of them. Mm. And so, you know, when uh, Henkel is like playing piano, he's like, I think he's playing a bit of Wagner. And then when he's kicking around the globe, that that's to, to a bit of Wagner as well. And then that same song is used at the end, like at the very end, mm. which is in this weird way kind of being like, hey, Hitler, this is another thing that you can't claim as your own, <laughs> like culture, things that are beautiful are not yours. And, you know, people that don't suck like them and people aren't going to forever associate Wagner with Hitler. Right. You know what I mean? Like it belongs to the world. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that was kind of his entire point. Yeah. Yeah. Did Hitler like this movie? Well, um, there is, there is information on some things, uh, it's there's some conflicting reports but i heard from like there was a first-hand account in in the the documentary uh the tramp and the dictator that uh from from this one guy who like his actual job was to like go through like all this like the basically for the the war crime trial after world war ii he like had to go through a lot of hitler's film collection i guess (laughs) and he saw a copy of the great dictator (laughs) Um, I, it's also been claimed that he saw it twice. Oh, snap. Nobody knows what he thought of it. And actually Chaplin himself heard that he saw it twice and was like, I would give literally anything to know what he thought of that <laughs> <movie."> Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> it's um, like one of your haters is making a dope movie about you. Right. I would want to go see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, I mean, there was already sort of like, you know, with them banning all of Chaplin's films by, yeah. because they thought he was a Jew and like, he was actually put, like there is... So in like 1931, he was really big in Germany and like there's footage of him like appearing, like, hmm. you know, getting at com- coming out of off of the plane and like being absolutely swarmed. Mm. <laughs> and the Nazi party thought that was really annoying. So they like spread around like uh, he's a he's a disgusting Jewish acrobat or something. I think that's, that's oh my the, gosh. What, that's what they put in this like huh. book about like the Jews are watching you is was this <laughs> book that they published and it. And they like it lists a bunch of people that they claim are Jews, and Charlie Chaplin is there in there, and they, yeah, label him as a disgusting Jewish acrobat. That's fun, disgusting. Um, yeah. So Hitler did see it twice, and one of the people they interviewed for that documentary was apparently in Hitler's inner circle, which is creepy. What is that um, like? He, and he also he didn't seem like super like oh man that back that 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 was a bad move you know right. he, he was talking about how much he kind of liked hitler it, it was weird anyway he's like oh that crazy son well, of a bitch exactly. we had good times he <laughs> was like oh you know hitler had this great sense of humor like i could totally see him watching that and just like laughing at it and finding it <laughs> funny and i wonder i 
I should read about this. Was Hitler just like one of those super charming, charismatic, likable people? It's like, uh, wow, what's that name? Um, Ted Bundy, where it's like, oh, you're so likable and everyone's drawn to you, but you're psycho. I don't think it was exactly like that. Like yeah. from what I was reading, Hitler took a lot of acting classes mm. and was very, very calculated in the way that he like portrayed himself. Nice. It was definitely, it was definitely more like, yeah, this like calculated controlling people and their emotions than it was just like, ah, he's just like chill dude, but he just wants to kill everyone, you know? Yeah. This is no big deal. Yeah. That makes sense. I can see that. But Chaplin was always like horrified to some extent by the comparisons between him and Hitler. I, that would make me cry. Yeah. There's, (laughs) there's this, there's a quote, um, where he said, just think. He's the madman, I'm the comic, but it could have been the other way around. Mm. And that's like, ugh, mm. ugh. Uh. That'll keep you up at night. It will. And it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it did. And then he made this movie. <laughs> Poor guy. It's yeah. really so sad. Mm-hmm. Kind of dope, though, that he had to like make this film, I think, to probably come to terms with all of it. Well, yeah. But I mean, also, on, on top of that, he said that he would have never made this film if he'd known about the actual like atrocities in concentration camps mm. at the time. Like he oh. doesn't, once that kind of information got out, yeah. he really felt like it was too serious to be joked about. Mm. Mm. Um, so this, he made this movie, I guess at the right time for him because yeah. he never would have made it later. And afterwards he was so opposed to Hitler being the butt of jokes mm. that like, um, and his like, his house in Switzerland, one of his like son's friends came over and was talking about how like, oh, you know, growing up, Hitler was always like the butt of all these jokes right. or whatever. And he just like got real serious and like walked over to his like photo albums and pulled out an entire photo album of like pictures of mm. the death camps and like made her look through them all and was like, wow, this is not, this not a laughing funny. matter. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. His own personal process with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got some statistics here on like the amount of on on the American opinion of of Nazi Germany at the time. Ninety five percent of Americans polled as not as wanting to stay out of the the European war. Like they were like, it's a European problem. The fact ninety five percent. That's crazy. They're like we're so done with you. And Europe. that like that instantly changed after Pearl Harbor. Really, yeah, like everyone, like literally the day after, like a lot of these groups disbanded. We're like, okay, mm. fine, yeah, let's just let's jump in there. Yeah, and then we decided to just destroy some civilian populations. So that's yay, good oh move. Boy. Uh, Fun stuff. Times. Yeah, but you know, they always claimed. I, I need. I guess I need to, do need to go back to the the idea of Chaplin as a Jew because that was that was perpetrated in a lot of different places and he didn't really deny it, even though he wasn't hmm. a Jew. Mm. Uh, hi, uh, the quote is anyone who denies this in respect to himself plays into the hands of anti-Semites. Mm. So he was like, you know, if you're going to call me a Jew, I'll claim it. I'm not going to deny it because I don't have a problem with being labeled as one. Right. right. You know, like if I say that I'm not, if I'm like, Oh no, 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 I'm not like that. Yeah. Like, Oh, it's like, so you do think it's a problem. Right. It shouldn't be a problem. So just like, yeah. it's whatever. That's very smart and level-headed of him yeah. to yeah. not get caught up in that Man, so much respect. <laughs> I know. You know. Well, I think especially with him being so popular, it's like it'd be really easy to get caught up in what people think of you. And mm-hmm. if you're being attacked with that and you're not 
that, you right. would want to just deny it. So it's like, yeah, good job, dude. You, didn't you were do totally that. aware of what was really important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like that, that shows through like in his creative process as well. Yeah. Because like at this point, you know, this is his first silent film in 1940. And like, right. you know, silent films stopped really being a thing way earlier. Mm-hmm. Like in the 30s, people were transitioning to talkies and right by this point like a lot of big like early talkie stars had even faded you know Mm. like so many people from the silent era just like either quit or started doing talkies got really big maybe in the 30s and then felt faded out and here Chaplin still is he's like okay now I'll make my first talkie like a decade after you know everybody else did and so like city lights and modern times like were you know like city lights had his own soundtrack that he had written he composed it yeah and that was like as close as he got to sound at that point mm. and then he went between 1931 and, and 36 like touring around the entire world like kind of like do i want to move on to talkies do i want to do silent pictures still yeah. apparently winston churchill wrote an article that was like hey chaplin keep keep making those silent films <laughs> it's like everybody who speaks any language like it doesn't matter everybody can mm. connect to it like this is a good thing do That's keep keep it really keep it cool up. actually yeah yeah uh so he he traveled around the whole world and just like was noticing he was you know talking to world leaders and like just seeing the effects of the depression across the entire world and that's when he came back to do modern times and that which i highly recommend watching because it's amazing is mostly a silent picture but there's like one character that has lines of dialogue like Mm. actually recorded lines of dialogue and then there's a bit at the end with like singing, hmm. but hmm. it's mostly a silent picture still. So he's just like, he was sticking around. Like he was just doing what he wanted to do despite what the trends were at the time and right. was still making an impact despite that because he's just so freaking talented <laughs> and people had a lot of respect for him until they started realizing, Oh wait, his, he cares about people. His political ideas what? are that he's like, yeah, anyway, it's whatever. Dare he, weird i know caring about other humans yeah man the red scare was just like what is that in some ways i mean in a lot of ways in most ways really garbage because it's like you know we'll just label anybody as being red mm-hmm. and like kick them out and it's like all you have to do is have like some like either vaguely leftist views or be from another country or you know and you're done and Get you're out. out yeah i don't want you here yeah, I don't actually know if he ever came back to America after he got kicked out. Like, I don't think he could come back. That's kind of sad. Yeah. It's so funny that, like, you know, during World War II, like, the enemy in that perspective was, like, really, really, like, far right. And we were allied with a country that was, like, really, really far left. And the, But, like, it feels like the far left kind of became more demonized. <laughs> yeah, well, it I don't know what happened there exactly, or I don't know how that shakes out. But Well, I think people were, like... Well, I I don't know, because it is, like, the Nazi party is the National Socialist German Workers Party. So they're looking at it as being socialism. I did not realize that. Even though what, yeah, what was being sought was authoritarianism. You know what I mean? Right. Which is, I don't know how that goes on the spectrum. Is it, like, I think it's, like, if if you have a, a grid of political opinions, there's, like, there's right and there's left, and then the north and south axes are, um... Hmm authoritarianism and libertarianism Uh, so i i would i don't know that it was like 
I think it's that the the association between authoritarianism and like left leaning socialism in Nazi Germany like was they they got associated enough. Okay. Even though now we kind of have we we almost sort of associate authoritarianism with right wing perspectives, I but mm-hmm. I don't think it you know I don't think authoritarianism is, authoritarianism is specifically linked to either end of the political spectrum. It just happened to be culturally perhaps. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that works. That makes sense. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. Is it's complicated. Is all whack. <laughs> is all whack. Uh, so, a bit of context is. Wha- I'm sorry. There's so much historical context to go through. Yeet. But I hadn't heard of this. But there's. Uh, there was this thing called. Let me see if I can pronounce this right. The Kristallnacht, hmm. which I didn't actually hmm. know about. Which is weird because I feel like that's something I I should have learned about in some sort of history class. Um, But that Kristallnacht means like night of broken glass. And that was in November, 1938 when German rioters destroyed 267 synagogues, broke into 7,000 Jewish businesses without government intervention. And then 30,000 Jewish men were thrown into concentration camps. Jeez. And like, yeah, the government like, stood by it's just they didn't do anything in some instances Mm. and then participated you know in a lot of instances boy and so that's when the camera like zooms in to focus on the canaries when the um like cops are coming in and like destroying his barber shop Mm. and you can just hear shattering glass it's specifically a reference to the, the night of broken glass okay yeah, it's it's weird that there's like there w- that was one of the most publicized events in all of history, like when that happened. But somehow people mm. were didn't do anything about it. Like I I don't know it. It's weird that there was a lot of information about that kind of thing happening, but not very much information about what was happening in the concentration camps and mm. like people in concentration camps were the last people to get relief at the end of the war. You know, like. Oof. I don't know. It's such a weird mix of like information because I because we in our in our society at the moment feel like we kind of have information on most things. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we know about the Muslim Uyghurs in internment camps in in China, and we we know about like the forced organ harvesting and that kind of thing. And again, we're not doing anything about it. Uh, and again, we don't criticize them in our movies because that would Aww. be, you know, c- because, well, one, Germany was a really big film market, so they didn't want to do it for that reason. There you go. Mm. Just like how China's a really That's big film market now. Guess who's still not doing anything about Wee. any of that? Uh, I don't like the comparisons to now, but they're there. Yeah, mm-hmm. humanity, you're the same. <sighs> you never change. Basically, don't want to cause a stir if it's going to disrupt the profit. Right, and mm-hmm. Swiss money. Always. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So this, spe- I have some notes on like the specific way that Hitler is portrayed in Hinkle. Hmm. Obviously, his his well publicized love of classic music is parodied with him playing piano and dancing to Wagner and all that sort of thing, but he's also shown to be entirely indifferent to the deaths of his own men which is kind of an important fact i think because it is very clearly it's very clearly painting a picture of hitler is pretty awful 
like the Nazi party is pretty awful, but not like all of the underlings. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also calls out the fact, I really like that bit where it calls out the fact that Hitler wasn't even like blonde haired or blue eyed, you know, he's yeah. talking about this like <laughs> yeah. beautiful uh. blonde haired Aryan race. And he's like, and then garbage is like, yeah, ruled by a brunette, brunette leader. Yeah. <laughs> Dark eyes. It's like, yes. Yeah. Like what? Um, yeah, the, the idea of the, the German sounding fake language being like specifically when everybody's like angry and, you know, full of hate, I think mm-hmm. is really interesting because mm-hmm. it takes Hitler's very, uh, for a lot of people, very influential speeches because mm-hmm. he was a very good orator. Um, takes the way that he would rile up a crowd and, and speak in that way and just instantly labels it as like, no, this is this is just angry and hateful yeah. and kind of ridiculous. Like right. when he's kind screaming about Wiener Schnitzel and yeah. <laughs> the banana. And the yeah. banana. Oh gosh, the banana <laughs> yeah, it's too good. It is. He's so... He, apparently he's like, that's something that he was really well known for. Like when he would, you know, entertain guests or whatever mm-hmm. is that he could just make all these like convincing sounding fake languages which can obviously <laughs> very easily be the sort of thing that like now would not be considered pc I um, guess so, yeah. apparently there was some sort of record of him like hmm. everybody thinking he could speak fluent chinese or something oh my gosh. A- anyway oh. it, yeah i don't know huh interesting it, it seemed like it came from a bad place but also like wouldn't do that now yeah you know what i mean yeah, but the way that it's put way. to effect here is is oh really yeah, good for sure a big fan Big fan. Yeah. Also, the character of Garbage is a poke <laughs> at the twice-mentioned enemy of the pod, Nazi propagandist <laughs> Joseph Goebbels. Yes. Enemy of the pod. Enemy of the pod. Well, because we talked about him in a few episodes, right? Like, yeah, he's he was in the Metropolis episode, and he was also in uh, Grand Illusion, did, right? Yeah, the Grand Illusion episode. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So he he was obviously kind of kind of a big deal, kind of garbage guy. Could and you so say that name one more time? His name is Garbage. Oh, garbage. Garbage, garbage. It's garbage. Garbage. It's spelled G A R B I T S C H. Also known Mm. as trash. Also known as trash. What? I just love that. Yeah, no, it was really great. It's pretty good. Garbage. And he specifically kind of makes a point of using anti-Semitism to keep the public angry and not focused on their hunger, the state of their country, or any kind of similar Mm. issue. Mm. which clearly shows chaplains and the world's naivete to what was really going on in the concentration camps, mm. Mm. but is still an interesting point that the movie makes, even if it's not really, not, ac- not really accurate yeah, to it's a pretty heavy focus. Yeah. Yeah. What was actually mm. going on? Mm. Um, yeah. The way that he tries to absolve the everyday stormtrooper, you know, by like when Hinkle, like, decides oh wait no we want to get funding from this jewish guy well let's stop the you know persecution of the jews for a bit and then all the cops are just like nice all mm-hmm. of a sudden yeah he's trying to basically be like not everybody is just a mini copy of hinkle of yes, hitler yeah, yeah. you know mm. which would it would be a lot easier to like stir people up and you know make yeah. them mad and you know it would be more effective propaganda if he were like, look at all of these people, this, the, this entire, like all of Nazi Germany. It, it's all so evil and bad. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. But like, he's, he's trying to have some sort of like rest- restraint and compassion for like the everyday man, even yeah. within that. Yeah. I feel like there maybe needs to be like, maybe some nuance in there between like 
yeah they don't all maybe have just the, like hateful heart of it but it's like they go along with it they're still kind of complicit in that right but like yeah e- either way that that goes which I don't know, is it's weird which is true it's it's an interesting thing because again there wasn't as much information as we have now yeah, true. you know yeah and we also have the perspective of having seen a lot of world war Two movies that are painted mm-hmm. in a very different light yeah uh, so we have we have a I mean again we have a very different perspective of all of these events than they than actually they had at the time which I think is why this movie is so interesting now mm-hmm. because it does show us that you know these events that still kind of affect us today were seen so so differently when they are happening right uh, but like yeah. yeah I think there is an interesting thing like and you know, it depends on the source or, or the person but. You know, a lot of people did not want to have anything to do with Nazi Germany, but did not have a choice. And then there were some people that just like were spineless and went along with it mm-hmm. anyway. And yeah, true. Yeah, like it is interesting to think about like how would how would any of us respond in that situation? Right. You know, and that's mm-hmm. that's a scary thought. It's just like just like what Chaplin was saying. You know, like he's the dictator. I'm I'm the co- comedian, but you know could have been the other way around because yeah. we scary. get to look back on the big picture yeah all the negative we get to know with everything all the information yeah yeah and we might have just been just as clueless mm-hmm. and we might be clueless right which now. is terrifying you know what i mean yeah because like right. yeah watching those speeches of hitler like there's a lot of footage of that that was in in the documentary but like very easily like i i do try to like generally put myself in the, the shoes of like other people when I, well, I mean, when I watch movies or when I watch newsreels or whatever, try mm. to see like, how could somebody think that way? You know what yeah. I mean? Mm. How could somebody think that like Hitler was this great guy or whatever? And like at the time when he came to power, you know, he did kind of pull Germany out of a pretty serious depression where it was like, I can't even remember what it was like a billion marks for a loaf of bread. Like it was really what bad. The heck? And he did turn all that around. So people were already like, oh, you know, he's, he's helping out the economy. He's doing, s- he's doing some good things. Mm. And then on top of that, he starts having these, like, these just, like, very emotionally charged speeches. Mm. It's very easy, easy to just, like, go along with that and just be like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Whatever you're, like, you're, you're, mm. I guess. you're making me feel something. So, <laughs> like, right. I guess that means you're right or something. I guess that means you're right. And that's how a lot of people think, you know, if you can make somebody yeah. very passionate about something they aren't really questioning what they're doing and i think he was obviously very aware of that right hence the acting classes that's whatever works it almost makes me mad that he took acting classes Mm -hmm. (laughs) he used it for evil such evil yeah and then there's the bit with where he uh his like henchman comes in and he's like oh we just made the most lovely poison gas yay uh I think that also does a really like I think that's also really powerfully like being comedic while also talking about the atrocities. He just he tried very hard to have uh, an effective and fair balance of of what he's doing about like who he's criticizing, what he's criticizing and somehow managing to try to keep it light. Yeah. Like, he wasn't trying to make a dark comedy either. He was making a Chaplin-esque comedy. So it yeah the amount of effort he put into balancing that is interesting and even if it's not it's not like 
what we generally would think of like when we think of a, a Nazi comedy because there are lots of those out there now, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it there was there was a specific intent with that, which is interesting. And another thing, I guess, is probably time to dive into the filmmaking process. I Yeet. guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to structure this in a way that makes sense. Making I don't know. I'm dumb trying. Movie. Uh, so Charlie wrote, directed, produced, and composed this film with, uh, in regards to the, the composition of the score, he worked with Meredith Wilson of the music man fame. Mm-hmm. Ah! Oh yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. That name took a second to ring in. I was like, Oh wait, I love that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some of the score, it, it, kind of depends on the scene some of it's yeah. kind of just more done by chaplin some of it's meredith wilson we it's a good score i like it we love meredith mm-hmm. yes we do there are definitely some bits in there that are like oh yeah that's that's out of the music man even though yeah. the music man i guess hadn't been made yet it had not no yeah anyway so that was kind of cool just the fact that chaplin is i don't know if he's the earliest example of an auteur because mm. i guess like in a in a weird way melier's kind of is you know because he is in he's in the trip to the moon yeah but he's not like it's kind of different in a way because there's not as much writing yeah and it was just so short yeah it's right just very different yeah as far as like what we think now like what we think of now as like an auteur like chaplin is probably one of the earliest examples mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. uh but i mean also just like how is this man able to do like these amazing silent pictures that are really funny mostly based off of his own ability to do visual gags and his own like you know all of that sort of thing he then he starts directing and then he's able to orchestrate so much more like fluid movements and incorporate mm-hmm. all of these different techniques to, to do stuff so so wonderfully so beautifully he starts getting really good at composing music and then eventually he starts doing talkies and then he's writing some of the best dialogue. I mean, right. yeah, the speech at the end <laughs> is one of the best speeches ever written on, uh, ever on film at the very least. Mm-hmm. It's extremely moving. It definitely made me cry. Just thinking about it can, can make me emotional. And, uh, is that a tear in your eye? I see it. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. Uh. It was so powerful, even for today's mm-hmm. world. He was really proud of it. Like he, he spent months just writing that speech. Wow. He tried to get it as perfect as he could. He brought in John Steinbeck to help work on it. Mm-hmm. Although he didn't nice. end up using anything that Steinbeck <laughs> had worked on, he ended up throwing it all out and like doing it himself. Okay. But he that that was kind of that's Chaplin's process. He's a perfectionist. He'll spend as much time, specifically with this movie, as much time as he needed to get it as perfect as he could possibly get it. Yeah, looking Mm. and sounding as good as he wanted it to, uh, which is cool. It also means, like, there's a lot of stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor like that. Like, I wonder what Steinbeck wrote. Like, there's bits of Meredith Wilson's score that isn't there, you know? Hmm. That kind of thing does intrigue me. But he began working on the film in 1938, three years before America joined the war, it releasing a full year before America joined the war. Hmm. And to kind of get the idea for some of the visuals and for being able to copy the way that Hitler spoke so effectively, he rewatched uh, Reifenstahl's Triumph of the Will like mm, over and yes. over and over again. 
apparently it was it was showing at like the Met or something. Nice. And Jeez. he went with this other filmmaker, and that filmmaker was like, "This should never be seen." He was like, "This is horrifying," <laughs> you know, because it is. Mm-hmm. But then Chaplin was just like, he was just cracking up at it. Apparently, I can use this, and then watched <laughs> it over and over again to be able to just like really effectively mock it. And they actually, I saw a speech of Hitler's that was in Triumph of the Will, put right next to one of Chaplin's like Hinkle speeches, and he does it perfectly like it's hmm. it's weird he has the exact same energy he it's honestly it's very impressive how he was able to do that hmm. as somebody who was a silent film actor right. you know like yeah he'd never done dialogue or speeches or you know line delivery just the, just the regular version and then he just does it you know <laughs> bonkers he's so talented cool. yeah uh, also, he was originally going to name the movie The Dictator. That was the original plan. Okay. But Paramount had already registered that title and was like, nah, give us $25,000 for it. And he's like, no, nah, I'll add one word. And then I get more words, and it's <laughs> also free. Nice. Smart man. Oh, so. The film industry funny. ain't going to bully me. Mm-hmm. The great dictator. Also, he's actually one of the founders of United Artists. I didn't mm. know that. But he's like I one did of the, not the, know that. One of the, like, six... Um, oh, that's so cool. Artists, so. cool that's that's what it was uh was put out through which is cool anyway go nice. go you charlie oh he's just so good <laughs> uh let's see what else do i got here in the uh pre-production phase uh i thought i wanted to put in there that i feel like it rings of grand illusion a little bit as well mm-hmm. yeah. and that there's like an aristocratic german officer who's like shown to actually have some humanity and you know, shares a pretty yeah, deep bond with an enemy of state. Anyway, I liked him. That, that's, that's the only real comparison between those two movies. Yeah, that works. But, you know. What did we say his name was? Schultz? Schultz, yeah. I kind of liked him. He yeah. Had, he had a cool vibe. He, he, was, he was good. Uh, that actor, <laughs> I think he was like 20 years younger than Chaplin. Wow. But he doesn't look 20 years younger than yeah. Chaplin. Huh. And he gives a pretty good performance, but apparently what I was what I was reading is that he had some difficulty with definitely the upside down scenes, but he already was just, I think he had like back issues or some something. I don't Ooh. think he had a great time on the set, but he did give a, a pretty solid yeah. performance that I think uh, Chaplin was very fond of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Chaplin was also sued uh, for this movie. Somebody oh. was claiming that they uh, came up with the uh, like barber slash king idea I guess. What? And they just like, he settled it. Like Chaplin was like, I didn't want to have to deal with it. So I just, <laughs> you know, just kind of paid him off or whatever. Okay. But it, it's huh. weird because even though it was never brought up in court, it seems like that actual concept of having a barber and then like the ruler of a European country, like being played by the same actor as like a doppelganger situation mm. was actually probably more likely inspired by his half brother's film, King Queen Joker. So what? like it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem super likely to me that he really like stole the idea from somebody else yeah. so much as he kind of appropriated the idea from his half brother, which, you mm. know, hel- helped work on the film. It wasn't like he was just trying to mm. like, he was not like directly ripping him off either. Like there's actually a lot of like, uh, what what's it called? Like, you know, on set footage that was filmed by his half brother Sydney 
in color that, that you can mm. go through on mm. the Criterion Edition. Oh. It's really interesting. He wasn't stealing it. It was cool. a collaboration. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh, no. that's what seems most likely to me. Yeah. Um, who knows, yeah. I guess. But yeah, no, Chaplin in his autobiography, I think, mentioned that and was just saying, like, you know, I was already a controversial figure at the time. I didn't, I didn't really need more scrutiny, mm. which mm. is fair. Yeah. 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 And I mean, who knows? But indeed. Obviously, at the time, you know, I, I doubt there would have been many courts in favor of of Chaplin anyway. Like it, True, it's yeah. a it's a bias system, but with yeah. a large public figure like that, right? I and a very controversial deal movie. Deal with it on his own. Mm-hmm. So shooting, or I couldn't tell if it was the shooting itself or the um, the entire process of making the film, but it took 559 days to make. Whoa. Apparently. And there were extensive reshoots because he was a perfectionist and he would go back and try to fix things. Filming began in, oh, okay. Filming began in September 1939 and finished six months later. Hmm. But then I think they, as they're going through editing, they, they okay. went back and it had to, you know, yeah. Do that other sounds stuff. expensive. Oof. Yes, very, very much so. Two uh, million he spent <laughs> quite a bit of money to rebuild sets that had been destroyed what? in oh order gosh. to do these reshoots. Oh. Uh, so I think the, the two sets that I, I knew of for sure is like the penny scene mm. or the in the pudding or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to rebuild that set. So some of those shots... I think a majority of those shots are from the reshoots. Although one of the actors that was there died before the reshoots. So like, I guess some of those shots were from before that, you know, to be, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then the entire ghetto set they rebuilt. Wow. So, yeah. And it already had taken like a year to get like all their props and set pieces built for this movie. It had some bitty, very big production values that Chaplin was extremely proud of. Like he, he'd go on about it quite a bit about how happy he was with the way that the movie turned out. Came out pretty good. Mm-hmm. It worked. Yeah, and I do also. I do think it's interesting to note the way that like he makes jokes that feel like essentially silent film esque, but are essentially sound film bits. Like yeah. Like the like setting his uh the the shaving bit or yeah. like which is set to the music that he's listening I to really liked that. like it's it for some reason like feels like a silent film bit but it's also because right. like it's not using entirely any sound dependent right it relies on having a very specific soundtrack mm-hmm. so. which is interesting both. it's a weird in between that makes it a hybrid in the same way that like of. you know city lights or modern times would have been yeah. Uh, or or the the gag with the the light artillery, <laughs> do you remember <laughs> that where they're like, uh, mu- the guy that uh, Mussolini and Hitler is like sitting there. Oh yeah, and, and like there's, there's no stuff sound. going by like, and mm, they're very light like, indeed. Yeah, yeah like there's yeah. no sound, but the light artillery <laughs> makes it all, oh and he's like, it is very light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the bit with I the like planes that. where they're like, yeah, oh those are my planes, and and then Hitler's like, no, our planes, and mm-hmm. then it crashes. He's like. Yeah, you're right. Those are your planes. Your planes <laughs> yeah, just using the audio, yeah, the sound effects to convey the things that they're not showing you visually. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just take advantage of it in smart ways, mm-hmm. right? And in in ways that didn't feel like it. If you've seen any of his other films, which I know of, I know you would. 
it's all just <laughs> sorry uh but it does they do feel as like essentially chaplin jokes right the way that the gags function is the way that his humor functions yeah and you don't even notice that like oh he's using another dimension to it like you know that he couldn't have done before yeah it still totally just like fits with his his pantheon of gags also the guy that played napoloni uh jack oakey was i guess like irish and everybody was like bro why 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 are you making him why why are you getting the guy to play like the mussolini character why are you getting an irish actor he's like huh. he's like what would, what would be funny about casting an italian guy to do it right like, that that was his like, response to that was sure. like <laughs> we're making fun of the guy yeah. who gives a crap you know yeah. But also, if you, like, look at, like, <laughs> photos or footage of Mussolini and compare them to Napoloni, it's, like, it's actually surprisingly very accurate. Hmm. Like, you know, the way he, like, juts out his chin, hmm. the, the, the facial features in general. It's, like, he it's not what I ever, because I, I've never seen footage of Mussolini before this. Um, It's not what I would have thought he looked like, but that's exactly what he looks like. That's which funny. Is funny. So yeah. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Right. And even, like, actually like hitler's um or, or hinkle's office yeah was based off of like actual photos from the third reich like mm. they they tried to make things uh you know it's pretty crazy. pretty accurate as far as they could although one thing that is definitely not accurate is that the uh the signs on on the ghetto like all, all of the the signage and everything is in esperanto huh mm. but that is also a call back to something that Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf because he said that Esperanto was a Jewish plot to destroy <laughs> German culture. Oh God! Oh my gosh! <laughs> Man, like, how do you even like? So you great. even hate Esperanto? There's something. Obviously, there's something wrong with Hitler, but like. <laughs> there's quite a few things wrong with Hitler, but like, man, just a few. He hated everything. I had to read Mein Kampf for a class. It was not a good time. Seven hundred pages of just like, I. I could not care. Of Jeez. screaming. Ah, yeah, right. I'm uncomfy. Yeah, it's all just like in board. The entire book is in all caps because of you know. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Uh so the the special effects, there are a few interesting things that they did, like for some of the crowd scenes. I didn't mm. even notice this until like I'd been told about it a few times and I looked in, but like the people in like the front of the crowds, like raising their hands to, to Heil or whatever. Mm are real actors but in the back are a bunch of puppets what yeah and it's you can't tell like i mean mm. you could if you were looking closely but like it's you don't Weird. notice it you know? that's kind of right. creepy yeah it's cool huh. mm. and then he also was really proud of this one shot like there's a really really wide shot with like a massive amount of people in this crowd near the end and um apparently that's grape nuts on a vibrating table like it's literally no just way. the entire crowd is just grape nuts and the it's heck? just, you know, the table's just vibrating. I love it. So they're moving okay. around a bit. Iconic. It's totally like you buy it when you look yeah. at that shot. It's amazing. Well, I'm questioning That's everything crazy. now. It's so cool. Yeah. And I honestly, the, the miniature bits, like with the plane at the beginning, looks really nice. Mm. I, I do just want to yeah. shout out, shout out to my boy, the miniature plane did a good e. job. And good. that plane crash is really satisfying in a weird way because it, it doesn't they don't do what i would expect from a movie of this era 
where it they don't really show it you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you just you kind of hear this the plane crash mm-hmm. effect and then you like yeah. cut over and you see the plane crashing but like they re- you really do just like see it flying in upside down and i don't know <laughs> like there's a decent amount of work that even just goes uh, into that kind of thing that i don't really think about but like back in right. the 40s was pretty impressive you know how do you nail that how did they do that just miniatures i guess okay yeah that's so cool mm-hmm. miniatures are the answer to everything miniatures Basically, on it, and, and miniatures should be used more. I really appreciate the miniature usage in The Mandalorian. Those mm. those shots of it's the true. ships is miniatures, is look good. I That's fact. That That's fact. You know, it, despite its ups and downs, at least new Star Wars still does kind of keep at least a lot of some the practical they, things. They, right. They brought back a lot of the cool practical stuff. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Mm hmm. And uh, kind of innovating also, because there was some weird other stuff. Not to get too up into that, but The Mandalorian was doing something I forget the name of, right? I can't even... Something with the staging and filming. I haven't looked into it enough. You should, we should look into it, Yeah, but I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, cool. <laughs> I know I, I know it's a real thing, because I heard people talk about it, but I'm forgetting right. the name. We can cut this part I need out. to watch the Science. documentary. Anyway, I do want to watch that documentary. Don't yeah, cut this part out. It's educational. It's, it's so educational. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so y- now you know a Mandalorian has used miniatures and other things. It's Spoiler good. alert. So also another technique that Chaplin really enjoyed using and that you would not see in talkies. Like this is not something that is done in talkies but is yeah. done in silent films all the time is the undercranking, mm. hmm. which is, you know, because be- you, you, you actually have to crank the, yeah. uh, the mm. camera. But if you would cr- crank it slower then it would you know the actions would speed up you know what i mean oh that's why in a lot of silent films yeah people look like they're moving really fast it's because it's a very intentional thing they're doing they're just under cranking the camera okay and chaplin uses that like all the time in this movie and in all of his movies i wonder how they did that so many of his actions are really fluid looking because you know he's using under cranking but that's not that's something that kind of went out of being used once talkies came in because you need things to be at sound speed mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. he would like overdub and do different things to hide the fact that he was under cranking but he but it's essential to his style and so he wanted to continue using it for this yeah. film and also Makes have sense. a bit of respect for that because it's like you know it was kind of an outdated technique at that point but it looks good it works right? yeah, yeah. Still pull it off cool. in a cool mm-hmm. way uh for example the the climbing of the curtain do you remember that bit yeah where just like <laughs> scurries up it was great uh, it's apparently <laughs> undercranked and reversed so like he was he started up there oh. and then he like went down that makes sense yeah because yeah. i was wondering i was like how did he do that yeah <laughs> yeah i that makes sense i would not have i wouldn't that. have guessed that myself yeah. yeah that's cool he also reversed the footage when he like i don't know if you remember the bit when he's kicking around the the globe mm-hmm. he like sort of gracefully like floats onto the top of his desk that's reversed footage mm. like he just hopped down i nice. guess but he you, you still have to be like really precise with that because mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally just easily be able to get the effect of like floating up and like landing all softly and he like kicks the globe into the air and then does it so mm. like it's jeez he puts in so much effort and you know he'll do like a trillion takes like he'll spend all this money yeah, yeah. um and there, there was a bit actually that his son was talking about there was a, a scene at the beginning of the movie that they were filming that they had to scrap because his son was like cracking up because he thought it was so funny mm-hmm. and he's like <laughs> and normally people he, he's like i expected my dad to be like real mad at me and be like man 
like you know how much money that cost me or whatever and he chaplin loved it he was like he i don't know he just really liked that he could make somebody laugh like that on Aww. set he wasn't <laughs> mad at all which is funny it's awesome he's willing to to bleed some money for the joke and to get it right which is cool so. he sounds like a pretty good guy i honestly like, like I want to be friends with him. Right. Like, I want to do more research because it's like, I don't know, maybe that maybe there is some other kind of thing. You know, everybody's got some some shady bits. But, like, right. I don't know. At least in the research that I was doing last night, like, he seems pretty awesome. I have a lot of respect for him, you know? I mean, he was a little bit, to some extent, of a dictator on set. Like, he, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Like, you know, because he, he would want to get everything perfect. Yeah. Um, he would be, you know, somewhat strict with actors. Apparently, uh, when Oki, who's playing Napoloni, was, like, constantly trying to, like, one-up him on set. And, like, you know, he definitely felt, like, Chaplin's presence on set and wanted to, like, you know, hold his own. Yeah. Uh, Chaplin, like, stopped filming at one point and was, like, sort of, like, if you want to upstage me, you son of a bitch, you got to like <laughs> look directly at the camera. He's like that, <laughs> that will get the effect that you're wanting. You will stand out. I don't know. It was weird. Like in a way, like giving him some sort of like tip and direction, Yeah. but also like calling out the weird, like competition. Com- yeah. Competitiveness on set. I don't know. I like that. Like that. He also like just goes, you son of a bitch. You like, son of a bitch. <laughs> also uh, looking into the, into the cameras, usually a huge no-no so right. but chaplin like does it all the time right i have a, i actually have a list of chaplinisms that's so um, funny and he's like i know what you're doing and i know how you can get there right so just do yeah. it yeah <laughs> i like that perspective yeah it's kind of great uh chaplinisms obviously under cranking yes the quick visible switches of emotion mm. yes. where like he's like scared that they're he can hear the the cops are like coming for him and then he just instantly is like no i'm gonna i'm gonna stay and fight like just like instantly being <laughs> able to switch between those things right. uh hopping on one foot to change direction mm. uh, obviously the iconic like walk waddle thing that yeah. he does as the tramp glancing over at the audience to share the experience is something he does very subtly but he does it a lot like he'll mm. just like kind of like slowly glance at the camera as he's yeah. like you know changing what he's looking at mm. and it just it works it, it is very effective and that's yeah. obviously a technique that's in general kind of a no-no right but that he managed to i mean for his he broke that rule just so effortlessly right know? and for his style of movie it was so engaging and endearing mm-hmm. like yeah charlie chaplin everyone loves him mm-hmm. uh let's see what else does he do yeah, so he also very intentionally tries to let the actors do the work over, you know, m- making camera movements achieve mm. that. So yeah. his perspective as a director is, you know, facilitating the acting instead of the other way around. Yeah. Mm. So, like, for example, when Schultz, like, first comes up in the car and there's, like, that whole crowd of cops surrounding the barber who's, you know, being lynched, uh, you can't see the cops that have paint like that are that are covered in paint or whatever but then like they kind of like appear from like behind in between the crowd like very like perfectly like you can't see them at all and Mm -hmm. then they like suddenly appear yeah and like it'd be very easy for him to just like pan and show that those guys are there or you know a lot of directors would would think like ah camera movements that would be a funny way to achieve that but chaplin's Mm -hmm. all just like no we'll do it with acting (laughs) instead (laughs) watch Um, me yeah also the the specific way that like kind of almost everything he does feels 
graceful in a way. Like yeah. everything is kind of a dance. Like he choreo- choreographs his movements rather than just like directs them mm-hmm. for his actors. And uh, also mm-hmm. his ability to morph one movement into the other, such as like when he's in the concentration step and he's goose stepping and then he turns that into kicking his shoes off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he likes to very quickly like switch actions. Right. I guess in that sense. But they flow so well. It's mm-hmm. very theatrical too. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's a fun time. Chaplin does some some fun things every now and then with, with the films. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, no. I think so. Is that the guy with the Hitler mustache? I think so. Charles Chaplin. Uh Charlie Pastor? Yeah. Something like oh, that. I heard of that one. Get it. <laughs> That's a good one. Lol. Anyway, I think I've gone through pretty much everything except for the reception of the film. Mm. Good job. So, you know, I guess I'll do that now. I'm ready to receive your reception talk. Ooh. Sydney Lumet said, I wept at the ending. It was something to me that needed to be said. If it was inartistic, it was inartistic. I don't care. Nothing has to be perfect. Also, I love Sidney Lumet. Just going to say that now. He's gotcha. a good guy. I thought it was artistic. Well, at the time, and I guess I'll get True. into that too. At the time, the reception was like, hey, like you're very clearly breaking character here, and you're talking right. like directly at the audience. Like, what are you doing? This is dumb, yeah. and this is melodramatic, and you know. Me. People didn't. People didn't like it. It got critics thought it was that bit was stupid. It was called the the worst five minutes of the movie. The speech. Yeah. My gosh. Which is what? That's a bad take. That did no. Like the greatest five minutes of the the greatest five minutes. Why I watched film in the forties. Literally. Oh my god. A decade that contains Citizen Kane. Anyway, it's great and. Mm. A lot of people really love that speech yeah. now, but I guess not at the time. He mm. was ahead of his time, mm-hmm. and that's that. But I guess Sidney Lumet saw it as a kid, and yeah, he like cried when he first saw it in theaters. And it's mm. like, man, I, I want to go on a rant about Sidney Lumet, but we should just do that when we get to Sidney Lumet's film on this list, which is 12 Angry Men. Yes. Indeed. Because he's really cool. He gets it. In 1997, it was added to the Library of Congress's National Film Registry, mm. along with most of the other films that we've covered. Uh, it's on, it's AFI's number 37 on their 100 Years, 100 Laughs list. It has a 93% mm. of Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. And Jeffrey Vance said that chaplain's the great dictator survives as a masterful integration of comedy politics and satire it stands as chaplain's most self-consciously political work and the cinema's first important satire so hmm. obviously respected now right but you know at the time of the r- release you know he's serving he's getting death threats and Jeez. parts of the film were banned in italy until 2002 i mean i feel like that just means that he's winning right yeah like, it's true death threats that is like kind of he like got five Academy noms and zero wins. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Poor and guy, though. Like this is his masterpiece, and right or one of them, <laughs> right? And then people don't yeah. even get it until years later. Yeah, 
I mean, so definitely some people thought it was really good, but it was a it was a polarizing time. Right. I guess the National League of Decency did not recommend this film for children <laughs> because when she asks him if he believes in God, he hesitates and seems somewhat doubtful. What? That's Ooh. a quote from yes. the commentary. But that's funny. Yeah. Don't think for yourself, kids. It's so weird. Uh, yeah, critics hated the monologue. Mm. Out of character, awkwardly, mm. directly at the audience. Worst part of the film. Chaplin said essentially that, hey, they've had their fun for two hours. Now I need to speak. That mm-hmm. was his perspective on it. He defended it. He reproduced it in his autobiography, actually. He delivered it on the radio several times nice. and at like FDR's mm. third inauguration. He loves that speech, as he should. I um, would too, yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be my pride and joy. But yeah, uh, he was subpoenaed for his speech in the film and was labeled as a premature anti-fascist continued to be hated by Americans. He was ousted thanks to McCarthyism. Woot. Yep. Also, as I guess we mentioned at the beginning of the film, causing Paulette Goddard to miss out on her chance of playing Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay. She didn't want that role. Yeah. I mean, that would have been, this is a better film to be in. Yeah, be she's fine. She's also in Modern Times, and she's really great. I need to <laughs> watch the rest of these. Yeah, I would really like to do the Patreon episode, like going through, like, let's watch The Kid, City Lights, Modern Times, talk about The Great Dictator again, talk mm. about The Gold Rush. There's some really, really solid movies in there. Actually, all of them, really. <laughs> I love them. Reese has a crush on Charlie Chaplin. I think after this film, after doing the research that I've done, I feel comfortable saying that my interchangeable top three directors are Charlie Chaplin, Akira Kurosawa, and Jim Jarmusch. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, yeah. Here we are. Whichever one somebody chooses, that's the one I'm like, yeah, no, that's the favorite. That's I the love best it. One. Yeah. The best. Mm-hmm. I have a little, I have some last final facts. Uh, Do it. He ends up predicting Hitler's betrayal of Russia, hmm. um, but like actually at the time of filming, they had like just signed a peace agreement, but he was like, uh, and then we'll conquer Russia in the movie. And then Hitler actually tries that, you know, uh, which right. is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Also, I think it's really funny that the swastika is replaced with uh, a double cross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. That's cool. Is they speci- it's yeah, specifically called the double cross, nice. which is funny to me. Uh, among the things that Chaplin reclaims with this film is obviously his mustache and the idea of white paint and a big brush being a comedic gag, not a way to label specific races. Hmm. So I appreciate that. Mm. Interesting. Also, Chaplin was going to do a Jewish dance at one point. <laughs> he had, had it all co- choreographed and even scored that bit, but he cut it before release. Huh. And now there are only set photos that remain. We hmm. do not have that scene. So there is a deleted scene that we people never find. were already upset with him. Was he just worried about making it worse? Or no, it wasn't like in it wasn't like in in poor taste, as far as I understand it. Was okay, it, it was just there was going to be a dancing segment, and he was gonna have it be Jewish inspired. I right. think the intent was probably to like celebrate the culture and be like, mm. "Ha, see, it's rad. Jewish right. people are cool. Stop being Yee. an anti-Semite." Um. Also, it marks the last time Chaplin ever used his hat and cane in a film. Hmm. He never again appeared as the tramp. Oh. So he did other he did other things. 
but that was the end. It's so the icon. you're starting, you guys are both starting with the end of the tramp. <laughs> I will go in reverse. Um, so I will put the sources that I used in the description because there are a lot of really great resources for this film. But as far as the further watching category goes, definitely recommend the documentary from 2001, The Tramp and the Dictator. That Confessions of a Nazi Spy is, I think, the first anti-Nazi film hmm. from 1939. Sweet. And then obviously Chaplin's other, like, full-on masterpieces are modern times and city lights and everybody should watch those even if you don't like silent films because you do like silent films you just haven't figured that <laughs> out yet. you just don't know it yet you're just dumb that's <laughs> probably very <laughs> offensive <for> people <laughs> like no i just don't like them how dare you but like come on give it a shot it's good times it's just try it's, it it's real good times get used to it yeah come on Anyway, cool. so so how do we f- how do we feel about this film? Let me let me pass it over to you guys. I've done so much talking. It's good because <laughs> we're all sleep deprived, so mm, yeah. structured information is good. Um, mm-hmm. I loved it. I feel like I gave it a four and a half mm-hmm. stars. Yeah. Sounds right. I think we probably all did. Maybe the huh? speech. I at think the we all did. You gave it yeah. a four. Did I? Yeah. Could have sworn. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Damn it. Son of a bitch. I gave it four and a half. I. The second time I watched it, I did bump it up to a five. Yeah. It is worth it. Eight I is on my top 50. <gasps> Dude, Aiden watched Citizen Kane. Oh, nice. I just logged it. I did. Friend I of the pod. When I watched it, I did tell him it was really good. So nice. Friend of the pod. Just logged it. Uh, five stars. Five stars. I figured he would like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's I cool. I want to just go back and re-listen to that speech like regularly. Yeah. Honestly. Because not having seen any Charlie Chaplin movies before, but having seen like bits and pieces of him, mm-hmm. I just expected more comedy. And then it was funny. And then you get to that speech and I'm just like, what? Just bawling you eyes I out. I just, yeah, I needed more of that mm-hmm. in my life. Like mm-hmm. it was just so powerful. So I was very happy. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, he's definitely in the past. Like all of his previous movies are much more comedically driven. Yeah. Like there's still some social commentary, some political commentary. Right. But they're definitely more joke packed. And this one is definitely probably his least. Yeah. Joke packed. Even though there were still like some pretty hardcore mm-hmm. bits in there. <laughs> I like the bit where he, he was going to, he's talking about, he's, uh, Hankel's talking about, he's like going to destroy, uh, break through the italian ranks or whatever and he's like yeah. trying to rip the pasta in half and he can't do it yeah. <laughs> and then he like whips napoloni in the face with him on accident he's so cute like yeah. i love him mm-hmm. he's a good good lad good stuff how about you gunter strange man in the corner so you're right i did give it four stars <gasps> how dare you Hunter. I, I don't know i think i probably just decided that at the moment based on like general personal enjoyment or something at the time plus the speech (laughs) i know i'm aware i do plan on watching this again sometime though to just reassess everything i play honestly it'll probably go up for me Mm -hmm. i was tired that's fair definitely enjoyed it big recommend of course yeah how do you guys like rank it like is it 
Is it like your favorite movie we've covered so far? Is it up there? It's closer to the top for sure Definitely than some. Yeah, one of the top. I don't know what my favorite one is. Yeah. Mm. We should probably make, I know you have I a ranked list. We could make some too. That would be fun and we could stick them, them up on the website. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, that actually be really fun. Yeah. Movieoverloadpod.com, by the way. <gasps> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for oh, yeah, me, it's, plug. <laughs> it's, uh, it's second to Grand Illusion. Yeah. Yeah. But it, the first time I watched it, I think it was like below the general for me. And then the second time I watched it, it like shot up to number two. So. Honestly, dude, my top, top movie so far is still Gone with the Wind. Like, uh, just oh changed yeah. my life. It's, like, so, it's so beautiful and heartwarming. Yeah, like I yeah. have to like put that on every night just to like end story. my day. Yeah, no, yeah. I understand. <laughs> like, I think that is probably like the most accurate way to describe that word. Is yeah. The movie is heartwarming. It is. You know? lovely it's just nice to see something just like so you know so innocent in a yeah way, like innocent you know? and just encouraging and this positive. is like the short little innocent thing you can just like turn on before bed you know yeah i just yeah mm. you drift off into dreamland thinking about happy things you know i love it yeah that's all i needed i never knew but it's i needed it really it. is the most beautiful love story <laughs> ever told gone with the wind everybody uh yucky anyway if you haven't listened to that episode you can go to our website we do do kind of a rant it kind of be like this same one where i just do lots of talking (laughs) (laughs) that i could easily not do but it's so funny and interesting interesting so interesting but yeah we well let's see maybe by this time we got some patreon we definitely have a patreon maybe by now we uh i mean yeah i mean we've probably had it for weeks i mean not that we're like banking them or anything we would never do that but you know that's my guess is that that is a thing that does exist right now we also have an instagram whoa movie overload pod and we also have a twitter Movie overload underscore hashtag fuck Woody Allen. Hashtag fuck that boy. Hashtag Ryan Gosling fucks. Yeah. Word. So much words. I don't know what I'm doing. Mom, don't listen to this. Honestly, that should be our tagline is so much words. So much words. He big monkey. (laughs) He big monkey. (laughs) I think this might might be our longest episode. Is it? We're at an hour and a half right now. Oh, yeah. That is our longest episode. Congratulations, me. Who would have thought that once I get going about Charlie Chaplin, it would take a while. That's how it goes. Uh, Anyway, he's better than Buster Keaton in every way, and everybody needs to understand that he is the king of silent film, but he's also just the king of film. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that he has so many Criterion editions. Yeah. Because now I, I can... None of which you have, right? I only have Modern Times. Oh, that's right. I would happily display all of his films on my shelf. Yep. It will you should happen. get them tattooed on your body. Honestly, I would love to get a little chaplain Wouldn't that be cool? tattooed on my, <laughs> my body. You should get the stash tattooed on your lip. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wish you all could have oh seen Reese's face <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, would get a, I would get a lower back tattoo 
of Charlie Chaplin in costume. It would be a literal tramp stamp. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> Creative. Kudos. I'll do it. I dig it. Mm-hmm. I will like pay for that tattoo if you actually do it. I would do it. Okay. I, I legitimately would do that. And we'll put that on the Patreon. <laughs> if we hit a certain Patreon goal. I've actually seen podcasts that go. do that. Jeez. Like uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Do Go On, actually did that. Where they're like, if we hit a certain Patreon goal, we'll... We'll get tattoos. Oh my gosh. And they did. It was great. That actually sounds kind of fun. Uh huh. That'd be fun. We should all get a tramp stamp. <laughs> all right, deal. Uh, if, we, if we hit our, our Patreon goal of like 100 bucks a month. Can I do a, a temporary one? No. No. A little scrub on. Nope. One. No. No, you need to have that on your <laughs> little body. Little scrub on one. <laughs> no. Never. O- okay. You're part of the pod mm-hmm. squad. I might miss Well, we need to be able to like actually afford to get that. So like we probably need a True. Patreon goal of Patreon. like bare minimum 150, but That's we probably need more. Too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, to we'll support us. There. Don't worry about it. It'll Don't worry there. about it. Hmm. Anyway, I'm I'm t- I'm terrified that somebody's just going to Yeah. Just put donate $150 just for one month and just somebody with disposable A friend of the pod is going like to do it. Hey. But you know like, what? Hey. That's fine. I'll do it anyway. I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. Good times. So, yeah. Modern times. (laughs) 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 Anyway. Cool. Anyway. All right. Do we got more things to to say? Movie overload. That's all I I don't think so. I think we plugged everything. We plugged all the things. We talked about the boy. We talked about the boy that is evil. (laughs) Yes. Um, Cool. So, uh, thanks for listening, guys. And that we say, as we say at the end... (laughs) Of every episode of the Movie Overload podcast. Um. <laughs> you can't get away with that. It's not a silent film. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, c- I can't. I feel the stress. There's, not there's so many lines from this movie. Come on, Reese, take Weird. it away. I'm not going to do so. it. You have to sit here and feel the burn. Slow burn. This uh. is... Something about a banana. Go banana. <laughs> Fine. We'll take it. Something about a wiener schnitzel. <laughs> I already said those ones, though. Like, that's so lazy. Yeah, I know. I'm using my only out. I'm Are you feeling uncomfortable right now? I mean, a little. Good. <laughs> I don't know. Good. I'm that's sorry. what this is for, then. Just wait till you see me on the next one. What am I supposed to say for the next movie? <laughs> Sneak peek, it's Fantasia. Well, you have quite a while to think about it. A so whole week. Yeah, a, a whole, whole week. week. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no interesting <laughs> lines in it. Yeah. I guess there is. All right, well, we'll see you guys anyway. next week to talk about Fantasia, Please. 1940. Peace out. Peace out. Bitch. <laughs> MFers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>